0: Welcome to the Valley Advocate podcast, featuring interviews that take us deeper into the people and happenings on the local scene. For more podcasts and a closer look at what's going on in the Valley, visit us at valleyadvocate.com.
1: Hello, welcome to the Valley Advocate podcast. My name is Dave Eisenstatter. I'm the editor of the Valley Advocate. And I'm here with Jenna Mangirati, who uh, wrote this great story, Ghosts in the Attic, about Agwan Paranormal, also known as Aguan Paranormal Society. Uh, subtitle is Agwan Paranormal Society Seeks and Finds Evidence of Life Beyond. Welcome, Jenna.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah. Um so I so you accompanied this group of basically ghost hunters to on one of their ghost hunting missions. Maybe you, this was your idea to to pitch this story. Maybe you could talk about um how you came up with it.
0: I have I've I mean I've always been interested in ghosts and I watched the shows um that Goff describes mm. that, that Rob describes in the article. Um yeah, I grew I grew up watching uh Real Scary Stories on the Family Channel. I don't know if anyone remembers that. (laughs) Um, uh, Scariest Places on Earth. So I I was always into this stuff. And when I heard that there was a paranormal group um, right in our valley and actually in the town I grew up in, I uh, jumped at the chance to do something on them.
1: Yeah. And so you accompanied them. There were about uh, 10 or 11 folks with the group um, that went to the Josiah Day house in West Springfield. And this is a 1754 building that uh, they've investigated before because they've gotten tips that it is haunted.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um, Rob actually told me that he usually doesn't have to seek out places to investigate because so many people come to him now. Um, But yeah, this one actually came at the suggestion of, of somebody.
1: Yeah, Rob Goff, he's the leader of Agawam Paranormal and he's been doing this for what, 30 years or so?
0: Yeah, he um he founded his group, uh he founded Aguan Paranormal in 2007, I believe. Um but before that, he had been interested in the paranormal since he was Um, 21 he told me a story of where he was at a friend's house they were just playing cards Um, he was sitting at the card table and i guess the way that the apartment was set up he could see into a bathroom and they always kept the light on in there and he just all of a sudden saw the the toilet flusher handle just move Mm. on its own and flush the toilet on its own and um he thought everyone would be uh, staring at it being like what just happened but instead they were all looking at him waiting for his reaction and they told him that it was an old man who or i don't know if it was an old man but it was it was a man who was no longer with us but who was still going from uh, from apartment to apartment uh, checking on everybody
1: and flushing the toilet and flushing the um, toilet yeah that's yeah um so I, I I loved reading this piece, and I think one of the things that was really incredible for me, I've never been on a ghost hunt before, and you really just completely describe what it's like. Maybe you could talk about kind of how they start out um, going into this building and some of the equipment that they're using, which is really uh, interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I do want to point out that um, Rob told me he doesn't tend to use the term ghost hunter. Okay. Um, I didn't include this in the story but he he said he doesn't tend to use that word because they're not really hunting ghosts. Mm-hmm. They're I I believe the way he put it was they're investigating what people tell them. Mm. Um and he he I believe I did mention in the story that he um he wouldn't ne- he'll never try to convince someone, "Oh, yeah, th- this is definitely ghosts." Um he just says, "You know, this is what we found and if there's no uh normal explanation for it he'll acknowledge that you know we we don't know how this how you know how the toilet's flushing on its own Mm -hmm. how um how you know anything is happening um that can't be explained
1: um but going into the building like they had a whole luggage line right of equipment that they had to to move into this house
0: yeah it's a whole it's a whole deal um it there was the briefing beforehand at, at Rob's house where they kind of talked about what they were going to do and they divided up into teams. Um, there was a technical team and a more, I believe they described it as a sensory team that focused more on intuition, and that's the team that had um, Christine Paquette, who um, identifies as a psychic medium. Um, the other team, the technical team, had more... Uh, devices like uh they had a camera that it's if you ever watch ghost adventures if you ever watch ghost adventures they (laughs) it's the camera that they have and they'll point it at something and you won't there won't actually be a person there but there'll be stick figures on the on the viewfinder of the camera and that's supposed to be picking up on some kind of human form Mm. um yeah so they started at rob's house and then they all got into got into vehicles drove to the Josiah day house in west springfield short drive um and taking out all that equipment and setting it up in all the rooms I, I mean that's a whole that's a whole thing in itself i think it took over an hour um and it was very it was very uh official the way they were doing it they're they're very careful the whole time um they have these stationary cameras in every room and um they connect to monitors at uh at the command center so Rob and the people who are manning command center can see what's going on in every room on, on these monitors.
1: And Kevin Gutting, who is the photographer who accompanied you guys um, had this great photo of the, the setup, the command center. It looks like a a bunch of security cameras, right? Uh, Like that, that look at the perimeter, but they're looking at, basically you can see a picture of the attic and you can see pictures of like different rooms in the house where people are, are uh, using this equipment you're talking about. I also want to ask about the handheld devices that they used. Ghost meters? What are those? What do those pick up?
0: Yeah, those, I believe, pick up electromagnetic energy, which can come from, my understanding is it can come from electrical devices and wiring. Um, So, like, if you held it up next to a laptop or or a computer, wires, it would go off. But if you're just holding it in thin air, not near any wires, um, not near anybody's heart, um, it shouldn't be picking up on anything unless possibly there's a paranormal entity there. So yeah, we all had ghost meters. Um, and what I, 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 they gave me a ghost meter to hold on to as well. And what I didn't say in the story is that the, the ghost meter going off in the attic both times was, was mine. Um, Mm. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about that. You're (laughs) in the attic. The ghost meter went off. What, what did people think was going on up there?
0: It just kind of remains really calm. they're really I mean they do all of this for free, but they're very professional about it. Um, I think something Liette said what uh, Liette Casey, one of the investigators said is, you know if I was coming into if someone was coming into my house and I didn't know them and didn't have a choice, I'd want them to remain calm. So I think they apply that, so it's like if a ghost meter goes off or something happens it's it's not like on the TV shows where they're like, Whoa, what's that mm-hmm. it's it's they they remain very calm.
1: Um, yeah. You, uh, so, I mean, we've kind of touched on a few of the people that you speak about in the story. But Liette Casey has an interesting story about how she got interested in and how she kind of conducts herself um, in these uh, in these investigations. Um, she said, like, uh, uh, she tries to be, you know, nice, polite to these ghosts that she's trying to talk to or, yeah. or find out about.
0: Yeah, that's um, a, a- Very stark difference that I noticed from some of the TV shows where um, they have to kind of keep the tension high because it's all it's all on camera. And, um, you know, I've I've seen um, I've seen on TV shows where they're kind of more accusatory in the tones of the ghosts and they might try to taunt them and be like, come on, come out. Are you there? Um, I didn't see any of that. Yeah,
1: right. And I (laughs) guess if you're a ghost, you really don't. (laughs) It's probably not that fun to get like poked at and stuff in that way. (laughs) I would imagine. Yeah. Um, so, but in the but in the attic, uh, when your ghost meter went off, there was uh, they had an idea of who that might be, and maybe you could talk a little bit about kind of the presence that they were suspecting that this um, that this uh, reading that you got might have been connected with.
0: Sure. They were suspecting that it was a pastor who um, he did not live in the house. Can't remember the dates that he was alive, but um, it was a it was a pastor who was friends with the Day family and was like such good friends that I think they reserved a chair for him or something. And yeah, and they put a Bible on it to reserve the seat for him. Um, so he 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 was there a lot. And um, when when we were in the attic, um, Christine Paquette was in the connecting. Bedroom, and so when we came out of the attic after the ghost meter went off, she said that she she thought she saw a man, a, a, a you know spirit of a man, come out of the attic and into the bedroom, and that she had she had an idea that it might be this this pastor who was friends with the Day family.
1: Different people on the team had different specialties, and Christine Paquette, who you've mentioned a couple times, she was the resident psychic medium person who was sensitive to spiritual energy. Um can you talk about kind of how how she fit into everything and how and how she got involved in the team?
0: Um oh she joined Ivan Paranormal in 2011. Um a friend had told her that the group was in need of a psychic. She I guess she wasn't really she told me she wasn't really looking for it at the time. I think she said um she was looking for a way to use her gift, but she was like, you know, God'll just drop it in my lap. I think that's how that's how she worded it to me. Um I don't think I had that in the story, but then a friend, just kind of out of the blue, was like, "Oh, I heard that this local group is, is looking for a psychic," and she was like, "Well, if this isn't God dropping it in my lap, mm. <laughs> yeah." So that was how she got she got on board. It was just kind of by by chance.
1: And she described it. She described kind of her what her gift is. Is she's not really seeing something with her eyes, but it's more kind of a connection that she's making with her mind.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like it, more
1: than a shadow, and less than right, right. Like that's kind of how she she worded it in in some way like that. She um, did. So it's more than a shadow, but it's less than an actual person in front of me. That's kind of how she describes like she her gift, where she's able to see things not necessarily with her eyes but with her mind.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, there was also members or there were not quite members of the public um, exactly, but there were a few other people who weren't on the team, but were still accompanying. Uh, a member of the Ramapogue Historical Society, which uh, is the organization that sort of keeps up the Josiah Day House. Um, a guy named Stan Sveck was there, and he has been with this team before, but he kind of described himself as a skeptic. Maybe you could talk about some some of the things that he had to say.
0: Yeah, well, I think he said he's um, he's not a skeptic in general. He believes in ghosts. He just doesn't think there are any in the Josiah Day House, in, in his experience, apparently, in one of the investigations in uh, twenty thirteen, that was the last time Par- Aguan Paranormal had been had been to the Day House um, during an investigation in twenty thirteen. Svek was standing near a window on the um, second floor, I believe, and all of a sudden heard this click, click, click. He described it as, like, if someone's trying to open a window that's been painted shut or shut because of humidity, and it's like you kind of hear it trying to open. Um, And he heard that and didn't really know where it was coming from, but he he wasn't freaked out about it or anything, but he just... He was standing in a doorway at the time, and he left the doorway to go tell um, Goff and his t- and his team, "Hey, I heard this sound. Maybe you want to check it out." And um, on one of the stationary cameras that they have, they saw what looked like an orb, which is like a ball of light, go through the doorway where Stan had been had been standing. And um, uh, when I asked Goff about it, he said it was almost like somebody was saying to Stan, "Get out of my way." Um, and yeah, and, and so when Stan was telling me this story, he was kind of laughing, but he was like, um, actually, I can tell you exactly what he said. He said, but it was cool to them, and it was kind of cool to me, too. It was something out of the ordinary, but it wasn't what you see in Hollywood. It wasn't a ghostly form or anything like
1: that. He sort of described some of what, he, like, he was a little bit more skeptical maybe about some of the equipment they were using, and he said that he does his own kind of paranormal investigations, but more just walking through ghostly places like uh graveyards and such um the 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 team members um this was something that leah casey told you uh including this story so there's a lot of trust and camaraderie among the people who have been um at this for a while maybe you could talk about about kind of her thoughts on that and the feelings of other team members
0: Sure. Yeah. Um, she talked about how it's it's like when you're going into these dark spaces, and I mean, literally standing in a supposedly haunted attic in the dark with these people. It's like you kind of do have to develop a trust. Um, yeah, and it was it was really clear from from my observing them. Um, I talked about how at command center, um, you know, because each team spent forty five minutes, I believe. Yeah, each team spent. Forty-five minutes on each floor. Um, so while one team was out, you know, was out exploring, investigating, the other team was at command center with with Goff and. Um, the other folks manning command center and it was you could just you could just tell the way that they interacted how they couldn't stop kind of they couldn't stop talking to each other uh liette had to come and say like guys i'm sure i can't hear my i can't hear my spirit i'm talking to yeah but even then they they were they kind of had their own language um I, I, they were kind of talking with hand motions and lip movements it's like that's how that's how close they were and uh, what goff said to me oh. when i recalled that to him he was like yeah oh we're not friends or we're, we're a family
1: yeah um this investigation, and I think you were there for most of it, uh, took about eight hours. Is that right? Um, but but some of the more, I guess I don't want to say like definitive, but some of the best evidence that they found was actually after the fact. Maybe you could talk about that.
0: Yeah, yeah. The actual investigation, when it when it's actually going on, it's it's um, like we talked about. It's it's very much not like the shows. There's not a lot of action. There's not a lot of, oh no, what was that? Um, So when, when, when that voice was recorded saying, choose to be here, um, nobody heard it at at the time. I might've even been with that, with that group when when it was recorded, but, but no one heard it at the time. It's during something called, um, an EVP session, which stands for, I think, electronic voice phenomenon. So during an EVP session, they put on this very sensitive auto uh, audio recorder and it's like, it's like so sensitive and picks up on everything. And, um, when, during an EVP session, it's like, if someone's uh, literally, if someone's stomach growls, you have to, they have to announce it on the hmm. recorder or if like, uh, a car goes by outside or like, you know, I, I was taking notes. So like pen scratching on a paper, like you have to announce every noise that happens during an EVP session, um, in order to, in order to debunk it. So when, when Goff is listening to it later, he's not like, "Oh, what? What was that?" So, if, if there's a natural explanation for a noise, you have to explain it at the time. Um, so, this "choose to be here" voice—it wasn't—it wasn't anyone on the team speaking. It wasn't anything. So, there was a
1: voice be- that said "choose to be here" that Goff heard later on. Correct. Yeah, um, and he wasn't able to. Debunk it or figure out where where it came from.
0: No, I mean, I asked him about it, and then I asked him about it again shortly before the article went to print. I was like, "Did you ever find out what that was?" And he was like, "No, we still haven't been
1: able to explain it." He had an idea about who it might be, though. Was it was it that same pastor, or was it uh, something different?
0: The pastor, because it would fit the it would fit the sentiment of of a local pastor who was friends with the family, and you know was choosing to be there was choosing to be there because he was friends with the family because he. Must have felt some connection to the house.
1: I mean, that's fascinating. Um, and uh, and then there was one. Uh, you know, I think another um, after the fact thing that was noticed was a, a single frame of an image of someone that happened either for this investigation or a previous one.
0: Oh, that was during one of the 2013 investigations. Yeah, um, that was that was on the second floor in a room where there are now, I believe. Sp- Spinning wheels on display, um, and Chris um, Christine Paquette had said she she sensed um, the spirit of a of an older woman at one of the spinning wheels, and um, so they took one of the one of the investigators took pictures of the spinning wheels, and I guess there were like th- I think there were like three pictures, and the first one no- nothing, and the third one nothing. Um, but the second one it was something like that the second one they saw this this uh human form sitting there, and they they couldn't explain it, and they couldn't explain why it was in you know why it was in one and it wasn't in the other shots
1: um yeah definitely it's in it's incredible evidence that that uh this team has been able to find over the years um so for you as someone who's interested in, you know, go I mean working on this article, have have you had any other ideas about your own thoughts about uh investigating life beyond?
0: Ah, oh, that's a good question. <laughs> um I mean, I think I think the biggest thing that occurred to me was that yeah, it's it's not it's not like it's not like the shows. It's not as condensed as the shows. Um, there was a part where Goff said, "You know, if if this was a TV show, most of most of what we do would be on the cutting room floor."
1: Um, well, this was a really great comprehensive. I mean, I really felt like I was there reading this. Ghosts in the Attic. Aguam Paranormal Society seeks and finds evidence of life beyond. Thank you very much, Jenna, for coming in.
0: All right. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to visit us at valleyadvocate.com.